Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices radio program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. And our guest reasonable voice today is Tulis McCall. Yes. yes. Hi. <laughs> and as usual, Tulis doesn't need an invitation to speak right up, and I love it. <laughs> but I never do... needed that. <laughs> That's right. But I <laughs> actually, I've been reconnecting with a lot of New York friends and showbiz friends and colleagues and all that, and. And Tulis and I have been talking a bit on the phone lately, but we haven't talked on radio in a while, so here we are. But let me tell you a little bit about Tulis McCall. She is an actor, writer, producer, and performer. Her first one-person show was What Every Woman Knows, was produced at the Public Theater in New York by Michael Moriarty. Her second show, Running with Scissors, Stories of Contemporary Urban Lives, you know those, was directed by Philip Proctor of the Firesign Theater. And McCall is the recipient of three United Solo Awards, and that means something. 2015, Best Storytelling, 2016, Best Stand-Up, and 2017, Best One-Woman Show. Tulis is also the editor of the Front Row Center, a New York theater review site and hosted Monologues and Madness, a monthly event of original works, you know how I love that, read by writers at the Cornelia Street Cafe, which unfortunately recently closed. We're going to talk yes. a bit about that, too. So, Tulis, uh, welcome to the show, first of all. It's great to hear your voice. Thank you. It's great to hear yours as well. You, <laughs> you, you do all that reading. You do that redefining very well. You could get a job doing this. Okay, then. Who knows? <laughs> well, listen. First of all, let's talk about the closing of Cornelia yeah. Street Cafe. I know we we discussed that the other day when we spoke on the phone, but mm-hmm. let people know that's really a great loss, and why? It's a tragic. It's a tragic loss. Um, all because the landlord, you know, decided he could get more money. So mm. it's what happens with a lot of the commercial leases. You know, there's no limit to 
to landlords. It's not like a you know a private apartment or something. Mm-hmm. So they're they're not restricted. So Cornelia Street was just this. I can't even believe I'm saying was this funky little cafe bar at upstairs mm-hmm. and then downstairs they they call they ended up calling it the underground but it was more like it, you you would flash back in time because it would remind you of every basement you ever went into <laughs> you know with your teenage friends and the parents said just go to the basement <laughs> um, it was a long narrow just a big long narrow room with a stage set up at one end mm-hmm. and but what they did was that every night probably with the exception of you know like new year's and christmas mm-hmm. uh, they would they would have two shows mm-hmm. so they'd have a six o'clock and then they'd have a eight thirty or nine and sometimes they would have an 11 o'clock and that's just the way it was and it didn't matter if you brought in you know a hundred people or you brought in two people that mm. you know they were not in the business of numbers they were uh, uh, yeah they were in the business of letting artists figure out what they wanted to do yes and uh, when i first started there i had written a play and there were four characters in the play and there were three people in the audience and i was one of them <laughs> and um, the guy who was the curator at the time just said okay well what do you want to do next mm. wow and you know you're just not used to that exactly. you know you're used to being run out of town so that's what they did, and and oftentimes I I go in to see see other performers, and there were only seven or eight people, you know, in the audience, but that performer would come back. So that's what they really gave us, and specifically for me, I developed my most recent one woman show mm-hmm. because every month I would bring in a new monologue. Yes. Over the past twelve years, I've written one hundred and forty four monologues. I know, I know. There there are critics who. Uh who claim you are the, the queen of monologues. And I, and I certainly... <laughs> From their see, mouth to God's ears. That's right. It's true. Yeah. Well... But it's... it's Anyway, so it's gone now. Yeah. Um, I don't know what will go in there, and I hope that the owner, Robin Hirsch, who is also an actor and a writer, will, you know, take some time to lick his wounds and then find... I, I would not be surprised if he finds another... Yes. spot. I just can't see him not doing something that supports people. Exactly. So. All right. Well, today, primarily anyway, but not only, but today I invited Tulis McCall to come back on the show, not just because I love her and her work, that too, but because I, I want uh, her to talk to us about her latest show, which is entitled At Your Service, which, by the way, was directed by an acquaintance of mine, Austin Pendleton. And, mm-hmm. and well, first of all, how did you like working with Austin? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's really quite remarkable. And, and this show has had several iterations. Mm. So he was sort of, you know, coming into it saying, yeah, you know, I'll take a look at it. And uh, I read through a script for him, and he just took the script, and he said, all right, hold on here. And he just laid the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. I said, now that this should, if that goes there, this mm-hmm. could go here, mm-hmm. and then that can come around. So, and I, I was just, I just was gobsmacked. So he's, he's got a wonderful ear and eye, and just a real. He just knows how to 
make you think you could do more, mm-hmm. you know, in a good way, yes. you know, where I go, yes. oh, let me think about that. Hmm, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And so in the space of time, we rehearsed for about a month. And every time I came in, there was, it was a, he'd say, that's a, you've written a lot, haven't you? And yes. I'd say, yes, 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 I have. <laughs> And you know he <laughs> he was the original model, the tailor. I know. Um, in uh, Fiddler on the Roof mm-hmm. on Broadway so, with yep. So Zero he's Mistel. been around for a while. He works yeah. with Steppenwolf. He was at Circle Rep. He's done a million things. Mm-hmm. And one, you know, and what everybody says about him is, you know, like the nicest person. Yes. Yes. I always so, so so gracious and caring, and at the same time doesn't let you get away with anything. <laughs> Yeah, but does it in a way, and you know, you and I have both worked with people who make you feel horrible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just with a look, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, anyway, so it's been really wonderful, and uh, he is now opening on Broadway in a play by um, Terrence, is it McRaney, and uh, he is, uh, it's called Choir Boy. Hmm. And it's part of uh, Manhattan Theater Club's oh, yeah. Broadway. Yes. You know, they have, it's the old Biltmore. Yes. And, uh, yeah, Ter- Terrence Alvin McRaney, uh, who's a wonderful writer. Uh-huh. Anyway, so Austin is opening in that uh, tomorrow. And so I expect after that, we'll, you know, we'll figure out what the next, what the next steps are. You know, it's just good to have... Um, it's good to have a partner. I was going to say, having uh, uh, someone like Austin Pendleton there with you, yeah, well, it's it's good to have a partner. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Tulis, I want to go through, I have to say, um, I, I've watched the video of your show. Thank you for sending that to me. Oh, you're that welcome. That is the latest at, at your service. And mm-hmm. um, I want to go through that because I think, and we probably won't be able to hit all the the notes I took, but there, it was just so much more. I've heard you and and your work described as this. Uh, what do I want to say? I'll just well, I'll just say it. This angry, this that, and a lot of words that follow, all meaning it very positive, very positive uh-huh. reviews. But I want to go on record, thank you, as there's a lot more to at your service and Tulis McCall than anger, uh-huh. uh, and and I want to talk about. It. I want to talk uh-huh. about that. But anyway, my first question, maybe it's a question, but you don't need questions. I, I just know I, I say something every 30 seconds or whatever, and you'll take it from there. But, <laughs> so uh, how do you know when you're getting older? Oh, well, um, see, I didn't. Uh, exactly. I, it sort of came as a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and But there were things that I noticed. You know, I started noticing uh well people would call me dear mm. which um you know occasionally i'll call them on that and they go oh no no you know i call everybody that <laughs> yeah. Yes, <All> right. <laughs> yeah everybody is over 60 you yeah hip squeak. um and uh, and it uh, so that was one thing and then i noticed being frequenter of bars you know mm. i noticed that a lot of people in the bars um didn't look old enough to be in the bars mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So they were, I call them the smooth people. Yes, I know. And uh, so it was things like that. And then, you know, actually looking in the mirror and going, you know, you're not one of the smooth people anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have children. So 
I don't have that measurement, you know, mm-hmm. of my God, you know, my son is 40. I guess I must be older than I thought. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it just sort of, and I, I think it sneaks up on all of us. I don't think we, as as youngins, you know, we just, I certainly figured, well, that's not, that's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Come on. Well, um, you know, uh, as you point out in the show, we don't think about it. <laughs> and why should we, for that matter? But uh, Well, know, it's, it becomes a sort of interesting, uh, uh, now it's becoming sort of a, um, okay, you know, what am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Because I did spend a good amount of time thinking, well, there, you know, there must be someone I can talk to about this. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm noticing, you know, this desire to... Now, wait a minute, how am I going to, what's today going to be? Mm-hmm. How am I going to make today really count? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the, you know, what are, you know, what's my list of things to do today? You know, uh, I got to get outside and I got to take a walk and I got to do this and I got to do that for my health and I have to take, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of becoming, um, I think it was Jane Fonda who said, um, you know, after after 50 or maybe she even said 60, exercise is not an option. <laughs> you just, you have to, you know, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I got away with a lot. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, you know, you're healthy, you're smart, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you have friends, so go, just go, go kick some butt. Exactly. Um, but but I am very aware of of time, mm-hmm. um, and I think well, you know maybe I've got another thirty years left, mm-hmm. which would be lovely. Which would be lovely. And then yes. I yeah, and then I get into a flap about it. And I go wait a minute, you know, think of where you were thirty years ago, mm. and then thirty years before that you weren't anywhere. So, you know, it's I think we can do that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And somehow, you know, we end up sounding like our mothers. I know. Speaking of mothers, <laughs> one line, I don't want to give away too much because I really, uh, I look forward to the next production of this at your service, and I hope everyone will follow you and find it. I'll have to come down to Washington. That's a possibility. We, we should think about that, yes. But talk about a line from the show which absolutely hit me between the eyes. Not that... Not that I had the same experience. My parents were very different from the parents you describe. But mm-hmm. but the line, mother was not giving up and father was not giving in. It just, yeah. wow. Give us a, <laughs> do you care well, to elaborate, my dear? <laughs> well, but, uh, you know, I think I said it. Yes, yes, you did. But um, part of this new journey with Austin is looking at um, the things I noticed as a child mm-hmm. and you know either articulated poorly or was told it was none of my business mm-hmm. or you know whatever so that so that the things that you know it's funny it's like the things that I thought 30 years ago I'm now saying mm-hmm. I mean I was always outspoken but you know what I mean you go well this isn't the right time to try that but yes. now there's more of a um holy crap you yes. know those those were two that was a those were two forces that were not going to budge an inch and um so you know i got caught in the middle so what i thought was stupid at four years old mm-hmm. um 
I still think is stupid. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of through line of um, that I think we, you know, we can bring with us. Yes. To say that that person was not a dummy. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And, that and person. That person noticed something at four years at old. At four years old. And and it makes me, you know, look at four year olds with a whole new yes. respect because they're, <laughs> you know, they're churning this stuff in and out. And so, yeah, it was. Uh, so I think that's a new development. Um, working with Austin is to, you know, is to look at the past but not with regret. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, not like, oh, God, I wish I was younger. Well, yeah, sure. (laughs) I would like less wrinkles, but I was also really, I was a lot stupider. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'd rather keep the wrinkles and keep the wisdom. (laughs) Yeah, really. It's like, man, geez, Louise. So, so, yeah. um, And then there are other instances as I went along in life where I went, man, that was a huge deal. Mm, that mm-hmm. was, and, and these are things that, you know, they're nothing. They're mm-hmm. nothing things. Mm-hmm. But it it hits you. So, so I think uh, now it's becoming um, what, you know, to, you know, go, go back and look at those things. Yes. And, and how do I pull them into the present? You know, and mm-hmm. what's What's next? Exactly. What's next is great. Speaking of next, we're going to take a short break. We are listening to Tulis McCall, actor, writer, producer, and performer, the queen of monologues. Uh, <laughs> her one, uh, her solo shows, um, uh, now uh, the most recent, what we're talking about right now, At Your Service, but she, of course, prior to this, Running With Scissors, and before that, What Every Woman Knows. Stay with us. We're going to be right back with Tulis McCall. There's a lot coming next. Stay with us. And now a special preview of Wildest Dreams, a new single by Mark Scabilia. Pacing through the dark in this cold apartment I step out on the fire escape I look at where we are and where we started And where we'd like to be someday If this is as far as we get If this is as high as we go I will rest in peace But I won't fall asleep Cause it's better than my wildest dreams And it's nothing like the world that we once imagined But doesn't it look beautiful And nothing lasts forever So whatever happens I just wanted you to know that if this is as far as we get If this is as high as we go I will rest in peace But I won't fall asleep Cause it's better than my wildest dreams Oh and I Better than my wildest dreams 
to the Reasonable Voices radio news talk program. We love to connect life, news, politics, and the performing arts, theater, movies, film. And of course, we're talking today with someone who feels and thinks about and acts on all of those things. So naturally, I wanted to have her back on the show, <laughs> Tulis McGall, because yes. um, Tulis will make you laugh and she'll make you think and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, she's talking about me. And and I don't know, Tulis, what do you think about that? Is that a good assessment? I think so. You know, I just saw Mike Berbiglia. Write that name down. He's wonderful. Okay. Uh, he's, he's a very um, uh, sort of understated comedian slash storyteller and... Uh, um, uh, Ira Glass is his producer. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So he said, you know, I'm realizing that um, this, what I do, it's all about secrets. Mm. Um, and that uh, he said, everybody, everybody wants to know your secrets. Yes, yes. And uh, so I started thinking about that, which kind of led me to this new approach to looking at my past mm-hmm. and seeing all those things that that I did that I never told anybody I did just because I didn't think it was important or mm. you know who cares but if you start there and you tell somebody you know a secret they it's about them too yes absolutely so absolutely. when you admit something that touches you in some way um if you go right to that, you know, go right to the center of that, it will, people will respond. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, not always the way that you want. No. Or, you know, Can be a the way that you, yeah. that you think they're going to um, respond. Mm-hmm. But they, I used to do a one woman show about women in American history. And, um, and when I would do it at colleges, and especially at high schools, we'd have a Q&A afterwards. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, the girls would say, so do you think it's okay for a girl to ask a boy out? <laughs> and at first, I thought, oh, my God, I'm talking to you about women in American history. It resonated for them where they were. Yes, of course, yes. So yeah. it did mean a lot to them. Uh-huh. It made them walk out and go, I wonder if I can do that, mm. which for a 14-year-old That's quite... is important. Yes, yes. You know? So, so that's what I mean. You just don't know... I don't know who said it, but you know, if you've got forty people in the room, you're doing forty different shows. Exactly, that's exactly right. 
I always okay. tell actors when I when I'm directing a show that you know this this whole work goes through a process and of course it starts with the writer I'm still most impressed one of the things I'm most impressed about you is that you start with a blank page not uh -huh. mentally uh, or emotionally but a physically a blank page and I uh -huh. tell actors you have to respect that but after that that playwright has to trust their work yeah. to the next artist in line which is generally a director and then the director ultimately has to trust the actors but finally the one who ultimately must be trusted and we have no control over it is the audience uh -huh. and that's it uh -huh. and and uh -huh. they will plan oh you may you wrote it you thought it was funny I directed it and I knew it was going to bring down the house the actors are going to stop you know, it doesn't matter because the audience will take us in so many different turns. And if we think about it, we've uh -huh. each taken each other at different turns during the stage of the stages of the uh, you know the process from writer, director right. to actors, etc. So it's another yeah. Ripple. It's like an atomic reaction. Exactly. Or you know, you can't. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Yes. What's, you don't know what's going to happen. I remember I, I met Brock Peters once, who was in. You know, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh yes, uh huh. And it was at one of those Ampass, you know, movie events out in L.A. Mm -hmm. I went with a John Randolph, an old friend of mine, and so we, you know, we sit down, and all of a sudden, I look to, I look to my right, and it's Brock Peters, and mm -hmm. I've just about, you know, yes, died. Yes. <laughs> and so I just, you know, stumbled over everything and told him how much I loved that movie and that that was a pivotal movie for me. Oh yes. And he said uh, we had no idea. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. We we knew it was good, yeah. but we had no, no. idea yes. the the reaction th that it was going to cause. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Had no idea. Mm -hmm. So you don't. Well, and that was the same thing for Field of Dreams, for instance. Uh, mm. It it uh, it had that kind of effect on me. I was teaching actually some people who were involved uh, with Field of Dreams, and when I told the story of how it had affected me after class they came and said you know nobody nobody expected that it was mm -hmm. just a, it was just a baseball movie and i went no 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 it was never yeah. just a baseball movie but okay we digress but uh, again uh -huh. it's to go back to that original point you know when you say oh my god she's talking about me mm. it's how dig how, how deep can i dig exactly to be honest mm -hmm. You know, and then move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. But what's the what's you know what's a true what's a true thing for me, and that that you know that touches people. Yes, that touches people. The truth always will. You know, uh -huh. you I know there's a a point at which you decide this is the breakout point. Maybe maybe that's not what I should call it. But in any case. For my first evaluation of me that I remember as a major traumatic point, I was I turned 25 years old. I totally forgot it was my birthday. I come home, here's aging me, to an answering machine message that said, Happy Birthday. And I just was so distraught, all I could think was, I've been alive for a quarter of a century and I've done nothing. Now, yeah. in your show, you kind of hit that at 30. Can you tell mm -hmm. us? Uh, <laughs> can you tell us what that was like as you integrated? Well, I think it was a similar thing to what you're saying. Yeah. I just remember sitting down and weeping and thinking, not so much that I was old. It uh -huh. was I felt I hadn't done enough. Exactly. I wept too. And, yeah. 
Like I should, I should be. And also there is a societal, you know, Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And especially as a, you know, as a performer, as an actor, you know, you're 30. Well, what have you done? Mm -hmm. Is what they say to actors. Yes. And, um, you know, if you say, well, I don't know, I'm just kind of living my life and I don't know, that's not going to get you an audition. So, so there is that outside eye that mm-hmm. I think we impose on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And 30 is a, uh, I remember I, I remember I gave a, a commencement address at uh, Ethel Walker School in Connecticut mm-hmm. <laughs> back when I was 30. <laughs> and uh, I talked about it and realizing, you know, time was passing and time is a commodity that you can't, you can't create, you mm-hmm. can't kill, you can't waste. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. Yes. And, um, this woman came up to me afterwards and she said, that's the you know best commencement speech I ever heard. And she said, wait till you hit 65. And then she, wa- <laughs> and then she walked away. And I went, oh. How's that for a gauntlet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So by God, she was right. You know, because 65, that's you get your Medicare card. Yes, yes. You know, and you have to call them and say, please, can I have that card? Yes. <laughs> I really want I really want that red, white, and blue cart. And it's just odd, you know, to see it with your name on it. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. So, so yeah, I guess for whatever reason, I don't know, but in our society, 30 and 65 are kind of bellwether mm-hmm. ages. Benchmarks that are imposed know. on us. Yeah, benchmarks, yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my sister works at a, a different private school up in Connecticut, and there's a woman there who I think is about to turn 25, and she's having conniptions. Uh, tell her to call me up. I can tell her all Yeah, about really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my sister goes to lunch with her and just can't even listen to her. Mm. because. But she's terrified. Yeah. yeah. Just terrified. And so we do that in this country. Mm-hmm. It's, um, um, you know, I listen to people on the news, you know, so-and-so, age 65. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, who gives a rat? Yes. You know? Well, how old and are you? Is. I want every TV commentator to say, you know, and I'm 40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what's, what is that? But we, we, we do that, and it pigeonholes people. All right. Let's, let's talk about how we break with the pattern, because that's the chief message, if I may say, of your show at your service Mm-hmm. We, you want to renegotiate and take a break out of your life, and don't we all? Well, Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's like you know, skipping skipping a groove on the record. You know, mm-hmm. remember those? Oh, um, <laughs> I'll never tell. But uh, <laughs> but moments that have been um, like the time that my friend ordered French fries after school without the hamburger. It's like what? <laughs> What's going on here? And I still think about it today, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if I told her, if I ever saw her and told her, she'd say, "No idea what you're talking about." Yeah. But when those things happen, and suddenly it's a, it's kind of like that old, you know, I could have had a V8. Mm-hmm. So why not take the risk? Why not? You know, why not get up? And especially in New York, I have to remind myself: Did you go outside today? Because if it's cold out, it's easy to stay in. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. You have to go out and walk around. Mm-hmm. You have to go in the park. You have to do this. You have to do that because something's going to happen 
when you bring yourself to that place mm-hmm. because you're there mm. something will happen and then that feeds you so that's what you have to do yeah. so so I'm looking a lot at that you know how do I I always feel better if you know once I get out and I go see people and then yes oh, but it's like what's the what's the next thing what's the next thing and especially the things that you I say you know make a list of all the things that you you can't even conceive of doing mm, mm-hmm. mm. well, why not yeah. because if you do them if you say that because it's like they're all lined up outside the door you know with the deli with the numbers mm. from the deli mm-hmm. and so the things that we really want we have often given the largest number to mm. so they're way down yes. around the corner mm-hmm. 7,225 out of sight so if you just keep saying them over and over again, I think they hop the line. Yes. Uh, and all of a sudden they show up. And they're knocking on the door going, okay. My turn. Yep, hmm. let's go. This is the thing you said you wanted to do. Oh, so it's almost like, and I don't mean this in a, like a casual way, but it's almost like exercising, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't think about it. Mm-hmm. If you do it, and if you like, I haven't exercised in a couple of months, so now I got to go start again. Mm-hmm. But then after a couple of weeks, I know I start to feel great. Mm-hmm. But I don't notice it until that that tipping point. So, so it's like it's like you know everybody goes, you got to have a positive attitude, and you got to think positive. Well, you actually have to do that. You have to think. Yes. Or mm-hmm. write it down, or do you know what, whatever, and take that one that you go. This is totally impossible. Mm. And just keep looking at it, because it's out there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I mean is stepping out of the the rut, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd love to travel, but nobody will go with me. Mm-hmm. Go by yourself. Exactly. You know, I just did that. How do you, and, how do you solve, because I, I want to make certain we touch on this. Yeah. How do you solve the gun problem? <laughs> don't well, tell me I surprised you you had to know I was going yeah, to ask that yeah that's great one. I'm going what <laughs> um, well and I've always thought this you know people yes. confuse their, their guns with their dicks mm-hmm. and um, and there's a lot of similarities mm-hmm. but uh, I just say you know let's lay them on the table <laughs> and we can all get a good look and talk about you know what's going on and also, you know, they should always be holstered. <laughs> Both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and clearly do not leave a teenage boy alone with them, mm-hmm. which is sadly true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't like them pointed at me. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of similarities. And as, as you know, as funny as it is, it's I. that's my first, that's my first reaction. Yeah. Well... You know, I know what it looks like, and I know what it does, and it's a big deal. But everybody's got to, it's as if they were trying to take away their right to have a dick, you know, in the Constitution. Which, yes. And by the way, the Second Amendment doesn't say what everybody says it says. I know, that's so Some, true. Somebody ought to read it. They just should read it, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, yeah, I mean, but it's that kind of thing. So when I say that, people go, oh, my God, yeah, I thought that, too. One of the many, many things I love about you and your show, uh, it's another line that comes to mind. We, uh, You reach a point in life where you, you just don't have to worry about getting old 
or dying young. <laughs> I yeah. laughed about that for days, I got to tell you. Oh, good. Well, yeah. So- well, I mean, it's, and, you know, I think we, because we don't, my mother used to be in an um, elder home thing. And, uh, you know, about an hour before lunch started, people would gather outside the cafeteria. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was their social kind of a thing. Yes. But a lot of times they didn't talk. Uh. They just they just sat there. So all these resources, you know, you figure in an old folks home, let's say you got 50 people, you got about 2,000 years of experience, you know, mm-hmm. that nobody's tapping because nobody thinks anybody wants to know anything. Mm. And, and it's easy you know, to, to, you know, pull a cover over yourself and we don't help, hmm. you know, all this stuff, watching the golden globes last night. I didn't, you know, Glenn Close, I yes. think she's in her sixties. Yes. She was the oldest person who got anything. Uh, uh-huh. So as, but I figured this is going to be my golden time. I'll, I'll go get in a movie because there's no white old women. Yes. <laughs> it's all these young, brown, nubile, uh-huh. you know, and everybody wants a chance with them, so I'm saying, well, that's great. So you also here's another, here's another group you haven't mm-hmm. looked at, mm-hmm. but it's it's just easy to, it's easy to forget people who are becoming older. It's easy to deny getting older. Mm-hmm. It's easy to stop trying because people are not paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you know, that's why you. You got to get that number seven thousand two hundred and eighty-two, which is around the corner, and yes. just keep pulling it forward. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the message of WCA. <laughs> yes, woman of a certain age. Yeah, that's right. And we've been talking with uh, Tulis McCall, a woman of a certain age, with a passion for a reality check. For not uh-huh. regretting, if my grandmama used to say the best way to apologize for an offense is to not ever do it again, and I think that kind of makes me think about as things that you say, all of us, if you really think about it, the things we regret are the things we have not done, and you, Tulis, are correcting that, as my grandmama would like. Instead of regretting what you've not done, get out and do it. So... Yes, what was Th- Thomas Jefferson said? Better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Uh huh. Yes, that's right. That's right. Just go, go and and let yourself be surprised. You know, because mm-hmm. there's nothing better than surprising yourself and being totally delighted. Yes, exactly. It's 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 infectious. And and as you pointed out already, you do kind of have to get up off the sofa and go out the door for those surprises, for the people who cross your path, who've always been there. It's just now, uh-huh. because you're out with that, your mind open to those possibilities, then the possibilities come. All right. Well, tell us, please, how we can follow you, how we find out more about you, your career, your shows, particularly at your service. You know. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, I'm on I'm on Facebook, so okay. that's always an easy way. And then I have a website called At Your Service. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as we get the next show lined up, which I think is going to be in March, mm-hmm. we'll be posting information um, about it then. Okay. So 
That's the name of that tune, June. Okay. And uh, on all of those platforms, you are Tulis, T-U-L-I-S, McCall, M-C-C-A-L-L? Uh-huh. Okay. I have one for acting, but if you look up Tulis McCall, you'll see that there's a separate separate page for events and things like that. Yeah. And superb theater reviews, by the way, from Theater Pizzazz and, and uh, Woman About Town. Uh, everybody loves her. You should find Tulis McCall online so you can find her in New York on stage and L.A. for that matter. She, she'll she go anywhere to perform. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tulis. If you have a dark room with a brightly lit corner. Yes. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> I will go there. Tulis. Well, thank you so much. What a pleasure to talk to you. I know. Same here. Uh, you know, I just... You know, I don't think we've spoken on radio at least for three years. How could that have happened? Maybe it's only two. I, I don't know. I think that's I think that's very possible. Oh well, see, we get busy, but it just zips by. It, it does. So make the most of it, everyone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. All right. Thank you so much, Tulis McCall, actor, Thank writer, you. producer, and performer. Find out on Facebook and uh, other places, Tulis McCall, because you want to see this woman perform. It will uh, touch your soul. Thank you, Tulis. Okay? Thank you, Marcello. All right. All the best. Bye now. Bye. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Missing you and us, too. There was little reason for my grandmama to leave her huge farm to go into town a few miles away for groceries, gasoline, farm equipment, overalls, and newspapers. Now I only go back for the funerals and do hear on the breeze what I've missed. I'm not into romanticizing the past. Believing things, for the most part, are always improving. Until G.W. and Cheney, of course. 
as long as what's new doesn't obliterate what's been with what's coming round the bend. I don't miss Mayberry or my slumlord friends on Shelter Island, but I do miss New York City neighborhoods, walking city blocks, and being constantly in rehearsals for something. I miss Gypsy and Heinrich, best and worst watchdogs respectively. Don't miss Dad and Mom so much as it still feels like they're here. But I do miss people who trim their trees back from power lines so when the winds come we keep our A.C. I miss hailing a yellow cab for Carol Channing, strolling Midtown with Colleen Dewhurst and chatting with James Whitmore about the next voice you hear. He said I was too young to have seen it, but while other boys my age were outside playing ball, I was watching old movies on TV. Mr. Whitmore was so proud of the fact that he had made the movie with Nancy Reagan before she met Ronnie. But I told him I would never forget what it felt like when God spoke to him on his radio. I miss that. I miss taking time to tune up with morning prayers and reel-to-reel Gregorian chant. I don't miss fast cars and curvy roads, for that's still how I relax. I miss Jimmy Stewart and Harvey, Yul Brenner and the American Original Six, Gregory Peck, whom Mom told, my son is an actor too. I never miss Florida, except when I think of hurricanes 250 miles offshore pinning me against the lifeguard chair, streaking back my hair with beach sand, my lips rimmed like a margarita glass, and the ocean some distance away lapping occasionally at my toes, as a seagull above makes no headway because of headwinds. I miss the silence that can only be heard without the din, and I miss people who understand the wisdom in that. I miss Marvine's white boots as much as our drama classes. I miss my voice lessons with Wayne and Ernie, and both the Peabody and Baltimore Opera in the days of George Woodhead and Bill Januzzi, the only man who smoked more cigarettes than my 61-year-old brother, just diagnosed with the lungs of an 80-year-old. I miss him already. For me, missing is more happy memories than sad longing. But I do miss not seeing my best friend Lance Thomas Vining. However, I don't miss the Silver Diner, his favorite dining choice. I do miss my annual trips to Europe, but it was a wonderful career that suspended them, so we make our choices. I miss dates on letters even to find telephone numbers on bills, and I miss sleeping more than five hours a night. But most of all, I miss who we were in the sixties. I miss Abraham, Martin, and John, and Bobby, too. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. 
I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.